2 Samuel chapter number 7 this morning. I'm going to preach a message, the fall of a nation, the fall of a nation. And I want to follow really the life of David here in several different portions of Scripture. And we're going to, I pray, come to a conclusion here this morning that would help each of us. In 2 Samuel chapter number 7, the Bible says this in verse number 1, And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. Now this is a great, great time for David the king. David, if you know the story of David, David was just a shepherd boy that was minding his business, that was, that was caring for his father's sheep. And Saul, King Saul, which was the king of Israel, had sinned. And God took his blessing, his hand off of Saul and said to Samuel, I want you to go and anoint a new king. And Samuel went to the house of Jesse, and, and David wasn't even invited to this party with Samuel because no one thought David was going to be the king. And David's out caring for the sheep that belonged to his family. And each one of David's older brothers passed by Samuel. And as they passed by Samuel, Samuel said, that's not the one. That's not the one. Got all the way down to the one that was just older than David, and Samuel looked upon him and said, that's not the one. They said, there's only one left, and it's David, and David's out caring for a father's sheep. They said, go get him, and so they waited for David to come back. When David entered into that room there, Samuel took oil and anointed David, and David then had the anointing of God to become the king of Israel. Shortly after that, David goes in, into the battle of Goliath uh, when, when the Philistines are battling with Israel. And there was this giant that came out and would curse God and curse Israel. And David said, is there not a cause? We've got to do something about this. And, and when that Philistine would come out, Saul and his army would run and hide. But David said, I can't just listen to this. I've got to do something about this giant. And he took, he took his sling and took five smooth stones, the Bible says, and went out. And he slung that sling there and it hit, stone hit Goliath and David became the great giant killer. But from that time forward, though, David came into problems with Saul. Saul was jealous. Saul knew that one day that that kingdom that belonged to him and it was his was going to be taken and given to uh, David. And David ran. David ran many years from Saul, the king of Israel and Saul's army. He hid in caves and hidden fields and went into the land of the Philistines and, and stayed, stayed in enemy territory just to get away from Saul. All this happens, and now David, we find in verse number one, is at rest. It's a good place to be, isn't it? Just at rest. God had given him rest, the Bible says in verse number one, about all his enemies, and David was in his house in rest. This week is an important week. Yes, it's a week of elections, but also it's a time that we set aside to remember Veterans Day, those that served our great nation. You know, we gather here today in freedom because men and women have given their lives so that we could have this freedom. I don't believe we ought to take it for granted. 
I had the privilege of pastoring a church right outside of a military base in Columbus, Georgia, Fort Benning, Georgia. And, and what a wonderful, wonderful opportunity that was to have so many people that had served this great country and actively serving and, and uh, uh, enjoyed pastoring there. And boy, I've seen, seen great uh, uh, men that would, would just love this country. And I've also seen great men crying in tears over someone that they loved, one of their fellow soldiers killed in battle. They gave their life so that we could have freedom. We have freedom to worship. You know, this morning, there is no one that told us we can't worship the way that we want to worship. We have, we have freedom to preach, and I'm going to preach from the Word of God today. There's no one that's telling me that I can't preach from the Word of God. We have freedom this morning. You came to church without having to go through checkpoints and people asking you where you're going and checking to make sure it wasn't a religious gathering that you were coming to. You had freedom to get here. You grabbed your Bible on the way out this morning. Do you realize this morning around this world there are some that just have pages that they tear out and they hide so no one finds out they have the Word of God on them because if they get caught, they could be jailed and persecuted? You've got the entire Bible. You could hold it. Your neighbors can't do anything about it. The police can't do anything about it. The government can't do anything about it. You could bring your Bible like this. You could bring the family Bible to church this morning if you want to, that big Bible. No one can stop you. Because people have given their life so that you could have freedom. You know, no greater nation exists on this earth, I believe, than America. I've traveled around this world, and I, at each trip, I can't wait to get back on this soil. It's freedom. No greater military force exists in this world today than America. You know, we thank God for his hand of blessing upon our nation, don't we? We thank God for those that have given their life, those that have served this great nation, those men and women that sacrifice, families that give of their young so that we could have freedom. And God's blessing upon a nation, though, it wasn't first with America. God's blessing upon a fighting force, it wasn't first with America. You know, although we celebrate and we enjoy the freedoms that we have, Christian, I believe this. If not careful, we can lose these freedoms. And we'll lose these freedoms if we lose the blessings of God upon this country. We find in Scripture, we find a nation, Israel, that was at peace, that was at rest. We find a king that went through battles and now is at a place where God's blessing is upon him. And the Bible says there's rest from his enemies. You know, I believe this, though, nations are no longer great when there's characteristics that we're going to see here in this portion of Scripture that describe them. I want you to see in 2 Samuel chapter number 7, um, in, in verse number 22, the Bible says this, And wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, there, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears." And what, what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself and to make his, him a name and to do for him, for you great things and terrible for thy land before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people, Israel, to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Lord, art become their God. 
And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servants and concerning this house, establish it forever and do as thou hast said. You know, a characteristic of a great nation, I believe, we find here in this portion of Scripture, and that says, a a nation is great when God is worshipped. A nation is great when God is worshipped. I don't care what history, uh, they tell you about history, and they're trying to pervert history and change history, but this nation was founded upon the principles of God. The nation was founded upon people coming to this great nation so they'd have the freedom to worship the one in true God. This nation was founded upon biblical principles, upon the Word of God. The Word of God was established. The Word of God was believed. And there were some that came. They wanted to establish their lives in a country upon this book. This nation is great when this nation worships God. We find here David, here in chapter number 7, David is at rest, and David is, is saying, God, we're worshiping you, we're giving all, all honor to you, all praise to you. Anything good that this country has, it comes by the hand of God. I want you to see as well, turn with me just one chapter over, First Samuel chapter number 8 this morning, First Samuel chapter 8, the Bible says, which also, in verse number 11, which also King David did dedicate unto the Lord with silver and gold that he had dedicated of all nations which he subdued. Look at this, David, he is out there defeating all these other nations because of God's blessing, and he's taken everything, all the silver and the gold that he got from these other nations. You know what he did with it? He remembered the Lord. He dedicated it to the Lord. I believe this, a nation is great when God is remembered. I just saw on the news not long ago, last week or so, there was a campaign, a political campaign, and, and a person got up to that pulpit and began to quote and started saying, in God, and then they stopped mid-sentence and, and kind of wish they could erase what they just said and try to take God out of this great country. I want to submit this, and I'd proclaim it as loud as I could this morning, in God we trust. We do trust God. We do, we do remember God. Listen to me, in this society, they're trying to take God out of the school system, trying to take the Bible out of the school system, trying to take the Ten Commandments out of courthouses. Listen to me, this, this country is great, and it will, it will always be great as long as God is always remembered. I want you to see in 2 Samuel, just flip over another chapter or so with me. 2 Samuel chapter 9, and verse number 7. 2 Samuel 9, verse 7, the Bible says this, And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. Thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I? A nation, I believe, is great when the undeserving are given hope. I believe a nation is great when the people can get hope. Many, many have received hope because of this nation. You know, we find a great example of God's hand upon Israel. I believe this, if we study America, we could see that same great hand upon this country as well. But Israel, there was a time that it lost the blessing of God. In church this morning, I want to remind you so could any nation. 
that turns her back on God. Any nation that turns her back on the source of blessing can lose the blessings of God. And after years of victory, after years of stability, after years of blessings, after years of God's provision, I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter number 11. And 2 Samuel 11 tells us Israel is once again ready for battle. The Bible says, and this may be a familiar passage of Scripture for many in this room, it's a story of David and Bathsheba. The Bible says it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. They destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David sent and inquired after the woman. And he said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanliness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived, and sent and told David, and said, I'm a child. One of the saddest chapters, I believe, in the Old Testament is 2 Samuel chapter number 11. The humble shepherd boy, the great giant killer, the man after God's own heart, he failed. He sinned. He failed as God. He failed as nation. He failed as friends. And he failed his family. How does a great nation like Israel fail? How does a great leader like David fail? How could a great nation like America fail? It will fail when its leaders fail. In 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and verse number 1, and we have the Lord's table this morning, so I'm going to try to be quick to get through this, but I don't want to hurry. Not really spend the time necessary here to help us this morning. But the Bible tells us this, that David is home when all the other kings went to battle. And while he's there, the Bible tells us as we read, he goes out in the evening tide and he takes a walk out on his roof and he looks down and he sees a beautiful woman, the Bible says, bathing on the roof next to his. 
He calls for her. He brings her in. The Bible says this, that there was an immoral act that took place and, and she conceived a child. And, and when, when she left, he, she left and she said to David, when she found out that she was a child, she said, I'm with child. And David said, we've got to do something about this. And the Bible says that he goes and he tells Uriah to come back off the, off the battlefield. And he tries to get Uriah to go home to be with his wife. And Uriah says, there's no way that I can go home when my fellow soldiers are at war and dying and battling. I, I can't go home to my wife when so many of my friends are at battle. And the Bible says he wouldn't go home. And so David did everything he could to convince Uriah to go home, even getting him drunk. You know, it's interesting. In a drunk condition, Uriah cared more for his people than David did in a sober condition. Uriah wouldn't go home, and when David realized that Uriah wouldn't go home, the Bible tells us later in this chapter that David pins a letter and gives it to Uriah himself and says, I want you to take this letter to Joab. And when Uriah delivered that letter to Joab, Joab opens that letter and it says, I want you to take Uriah and I want you to put him on the hottest battle to the front lines so that he's killed. And now David is willing to murder cover up his sin. Verse number one, we find this. When it's leaders fail to take their responsibility seriously, the country will fail. David had a responsibility. David was to be at war, not to be at home. David had a great responsibility to lead his men, lead his soldiers into battle. It was his position to do this. But David found himself in a place where David didn't belong. David found himself at home when he's supposed to be out at war. Listen to me. I believe this. A nation ceases to be great when its leaders fail to take their responsibility seriously. And we live in a climate today, it seems like uh, leaders are, 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 are not taking their responsibility seriously, whether it's in a political condition or a political climate in our country or whether it's in homes in America I believe this leaders if you're a parent if you're a dad if you're a mom if you're a wife if you're a husband it, no matter what you are if you're an employer if you're in a leadership position take your position seriously lead I believe this, we are so much in our country, in our world today, and even in Christianity, we are, are, are failing in this area of leadership. God, give us a David at that time when Goliath stood up and cursed God. God, give us a, a man that'll say, I'll stand against the tide. I'll stand against wrong. I'll be a light in this world. I'll stand up and I will lead and I'll be what God wants me to be. God, give us husbands that say this. I don't care what society, what direction society is going. But as for me, in my house, we'll serve the Lord. God, give us women that say this. I'll be the wife that God desires for me to be. I'll be the mom that God desires for me to be. God, give us homes that aren't going to sway to the pressures of society. God, give us Christians that'll stand up and that'll say, I don't care where the world's going. I'm going to make sure in my leadership, I am what I'm supposed to be. God, give us leaders in this country that take their leadership responsibilities seriously. God, give us Christians that realize this, that I am an ambassador for Jesus Christ and I'm going to take that position seriously. 
You see, I believe this, a nation, we find here a nation ceases to be great when its leaders fail to take responsibility seriously. Leaders can't delegate what only belongs to them. You know this, I, I, I can't let someone else be the uh, father to my children, and I can't let someone else raise my children. I can't let somebody else be the husband to my wife. It's my responsibility, and with God's help, I need to be what God desires for me to be. It's not my response. It's not the church's responsibility to raise my kids. It's not the Christian school's responsibility to raise my kids. Those are helps and those are necessary, but it's my responsibility as a father. It's my responsibility as a Christian husband. It's my responsibility as a child of God to be what God has allowed me to be. This morning, I call on all Christians to be leaders and not fail in their responsibility. Secondly, I want you to see this in verse number two. And it came to pass in an eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. You know, I see this and I hear all the excuses. It's not David's fault. I mean, David was just simply on his house Really, this is Bathsheba's fault. I mean, Bathsheba, she was the one bathing and she was beautiful. This can't be David's fault. Listen to me, I want to submit this morning, uh, this country will cease to be great when leaders fail to say no to sin. It was David's fault. Every single person here is going to be tempted with sin. Every single person. Today, you will be tempted with sin. The reason why is because you still have flesh and you still have blood. And if you're saved, you still have the old man still living inside of you. And your body likes what your body likes. You still want what makes you feel good. Your body still says, feed me. David walked out onto that roof and David saw that beautiful woman bathing and David had every opportunity to say no, but David failed to say no. Listen, every single person in this room, you can't blame someone else when you fail. You can't blame anyone else when you sin. You make that choice. Yes, the temptation is great. And yes, the lust is strong. And James, the book of James talks to us in uh, chapter number one, all about temptation. Every single person in this room, you are going to be tempted. Every single person in this room, there's something that this world is trying to offer you. There's something that your lust, your flesh desires. There's something that you want that you just think that you need to have. But you need to stand up and you need to learn to say no to sin. Listen, we've got leaders in this country today, they make excuses for their sin. They call their sin mistakes or they call their sin uh, bad decisions. Listen to me, sin is sin. And when you choose to make a decision that goes against the word of God, when you choose to make a decision and do something in your life that violates scripture, you have sinned and you've gone against God. Listen to me, this country, in any country, it ceases to be great when its leaders fail to say no to sin. I'm so glad when Tuesday will come and go because I am so tired of hearing of so many sinful scandals that are taking place. It's sickening. 
What's sickening, though, is this. So many sinful scandals that are taking place with Christians in their lives. Listen to me, Christian, today, if you are to be a leader, if you're a leader of your home, if you want to be a leader in your church, if you want to be a leader in your community, if you want to be a leader for the cause of Christ, you have got to learn to say no to sin. Stop making excuses. He said, just be easier if, if, my, if my flesh wasn't tempted. I want to say this to you. You're not tempted any greater than anyone else. This preacher has temptations. This preacher has lust. This preacher has red blood flowing through my veins. I'm flesh just like you. And I've got to say no just like you've got to say no. You've got to stand up when you're tempted. You've got to stand up when you look out on that, that, that rooftop on an evening tide and you see something that your flesh says, I've got to have. You've got to have the power to say no so God can continue to use you. Listen to me, a nation fails when its leaders fail to say no to sin. Look with me in verse number 15. He wrote in a letter saying, set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle. And retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. David, do you know what you're doing? You just pinned a letter. That letter was a death sentence for your friend Uriah. You just sat down at your desk, David, and you penned words to Joab and said, Joab, I want you to kill Uriah. What did Uriah do? Uriah was in battle fighting, David, so that you can stay home. What did Uriah do? Uriah was where he was supposed to be. Here's David. Writing in that letter. Joab, when you receive this letter. I've only got one instruction for you, and that's to take Uriah, the, the deliverer of this letter, and I want you to put him in the front line, and I want you to put him in the forefront of the battle, the hottest battle, and then when he gets there, I want you to pull all the troops back so he's all by himself. I want Uriah dead. Listen to me, number three. A nation fails when leaders try to hide their sin. Here's David. David is where he doesn't belong and David is doing what he doesn't supposed to be doing and David is, 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 is now on the rooftop and he sees what he never should have seen because he never should have been where he was and David had every opportunity just like you and I have every opportunity when we're tempted to say no but David said I can't say no. I've got to have Bathsheba. Bathsheba comes in. She, she conceives and she comes back and says David I'm with child and it's your child and David said I've got to cover this thing. 
I've got to be sure that nobody knows about it. I've got to be sure that everyone, everyone, everyone uh, uh, thinks that this is Uriah's child. And so I'm going to bring Uriah back. I'm going to bring him back and I'm going to make him go home. And this will hide everything. This will be the thing that, that gets me out of trouble. This will be the thing that causes me not to get caught. And so he brings Uriah home. There's only one problem, Uriah said, I'm not going to participate in what you're doing. In Israel... And this nation will cease when leaders try to hide their sin. David pens this letter, and inside that letter, as David is giving it in the hands of Uriah, Uriah comes back to Joab, and Joab is being delivered a letter that's got Uriah's fate in his hands, and it said that, 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 that I want you to take Uriah, and I want Uriah killed today. He's trying to hide every sin that he's ever committed. He's trying to hide the fact that he was with Bathsheba. He's trying to hide the fact that he couldn't say no to his flesh. He's trying to hide the fact that he's now a murderer. He's going to hide the fact that he's an adulterer. He's going to hide this thinking that he can get away with it thinking that he can get away with this sin listen to me leaders leaders all around us are trying to hide their sin listen to me you need to understand this Christian you cannot hide your sin the Bible still says be sure your sin will find you out you're sitting in this audience and you're not living the life you ought to have maybe you think that nobody knows nobody knows about this affair that I'm having I'm keeping it hid I'm doing a good job hiding this affair I want to submit to you this morning that the Bible still says be sure your sins will find you out you're cheating you're lying you're doing things as a christian that a child of god ought not do and you're thinking i've got it under control don't worry i can hide this thing i want to submit to this that god at any moment can blow that thing wide open and expose you Oh, there's so many leaders, so many politicians that think that they're going to hide what they're doing and hide their sin i love it i love it when god exposes them they think they can hide behind their power. They think they can hide behind their name. They think they can hide behind their deceit. And God says, my word is still true. You can't hide your sin. I'll expose your sin. Listen to me. A leader, a leader, a nation will be doomed when its leaders try to hide their sin. And listen to me. Homes will be doomed when their leaders try to hide their sin. And churches will be doomed when the churches try to hide their sin. And Christians, you'll be doomed when you try to hide your sin. You can't hide your sin. God will find you out. David thought he could get better. David thought he could get one over. David thought he had it all under control. David said, if I can't get Uriah to be a part, then I'll have him killed. And I'll blame the war on it and nobody will ever know. Oh, and then I can take this grieving widow in and everyone would say the king is caring for the, 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 his men's wives and he could take her in and no one will ever know what's going to happen. You might think that you've got it all figured out. You might think that you're plotting a plan. You might think that you've got it to where you've got all your I's dotted and your T's crossed and nobody's going to find out. You know what? You're right. Your employer might not find out what you're doing. Your spouse might not find out what you're doing. Your children might not be smart enough to find out what you're doing but you can't fool God God knows lastly I want you to see this verse number 25 of the same chapter then David said unto the messenger thus, thus shalt thou say unto Joab 
Let not this thing displease thee. For the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city and overthrow it. And encourage thou him. You see, Joab didn't like what was going on. Joab didn't understand. Why would we take Uriah, one of our greatest fighters, and have him slaughtered? Joab doesn't get it. Why would you allow such a thing? Why would you do such a thing to Uriah? And David said, I need to get Joab on my side. And he sent a messenger and he said to, uh, to Joab, he said, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Let's just go win another battle and, and, and encourage ourselves with another win. I want you to write this down. A nation ceases to be great when leaders encourage others to accept a sinful lifestyle. Joab, accept the fact that I'm a murderer. Joab, accept the fact that I'm an adulterer. Joab, accept the fact that I'm not the leader I'm supposed to be. And he did everything he could to try to encourage the people that were underneath him to accept that sinful lifestyle. And listen to me, we're living in a country today, and you need to consider this as you go on Tuesday, and you ought not dare vote for somebody that's encouraging you to live a sinful lifestyle. I want to say to you this morning that abortion is still murder. Still murder. Boy, it sickens me as I'm listening and watching and seeing now, even at the moment of birth, just before the moment of birth, we can take a child's life. They're no longer arguing when does that heart start to beat within a few days, within the first few months. No, they're saying now at the moment of birth, if we want to choose to terminate this pregnancy, we have the right to terminate this pregnancy. That is still murder, and it's still sin. Boy, I, this morning, just uh, before the service began, I saw a couple of the new babies in our church. And I thought to myself, how in the world could we come to a place in society where leaders are standing up and saying, follow my sinful lifestyle? Sin. Christians, we can't stand for sin. I want to encourage you in your generation to stand and be the light in this dark world. I want to encourage you to stand against the, the sinful lifestyles of this, this, this leadership. Stand against the sinful lifestyle of this world and stand upon the word of God. If you're a husband here today, then be a light. Be a light in your family. Be a light in your community. Be a light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't give in. Don't give in to a sinful lifestyle. Don't give in to a, a sin, the pleasure of sin. Stand and be a light in your community. Be a light in your home. Take the gospel of Jesus Christ and lead your family to have a purpose in this generation. Oh, Christians, stand. Wives, stand. Young people, stand. Don't think 
Don't think that living a sinful life, that God's going to wink at it. Don't think that it's right. Don't think that times have changed. I know that this book was written many, many, many of years ago, but it's still true. It's still worth standing upon. It's still God's message to mankind. This book is still a living book. It's still alive. It's still what we need to base our lives upon. Let's decide today that I'm not going against the Word of God, that I'm going to be what God wants me to be, and I'm not going to be encouraged to live a sinful lifestyle, and I'm not going to encourage others to live a sinful lifestyle, but I am going to be a light in my generation for Jesus Christ. Listen to me, Christian, the time is now. The time is now. It's time to stop playing games with God. It's time to stop letting our flesh control us. I believe this, that Jesus Christ, He is coming soon. And let's rise up. Listen to me, this world sits in darkness and it's going to continue to sit in darkness until you and I decide that we're going to take the light to it. This community sits in darkness and it's going to continue to sit in darkness until you and I decide that we are going to take the light to it. Yesterday, there were scores of people that were all over this community serving in different areas. And I have heard so far that 14 people have trusted Christ as their Savior because someone yesterday said, I'm going to go and I'm going to take the light of the gospel message to a lost and dying world. There were some that said, the world is too bad. The world is going uh, uh, the wrong direction. It's too hard to witness. Nobody wants to get saved. But then there was a mighty force yesterday that said, I'm going to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they went into a dark world. and they took the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and 14 people trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Don't tell me it doesn't work. It still works. But this nation will fall. This nation will fall when leaders encourage others to accept a sinful lifestyle. Stand up. Stand for what's right. Stand for truth. And Tuesday, when you walk into that polling booth, stand for right. Because I want to see God continue to bless this great nation. I want to see Christians stand up and say, I'm not giving up. We're just kicking into high gear. I'm not giving up. My my light is still going to shine. Let's bring this nation back to God.